Now entering Nerdist.com. Hey, sex nerds. You mind if I ask a personal question? Have you been masturbating this month? It is May, after all. Yes, really. May is the month to celebrate the fact that self-love is a healthy part of our sexualities. And this week's episode is brought to us by AdamandEve.com. And if you go there and type in sexnerd at checkout, you get 50% off almost anything in the store, free shipping, uh, three free DVDs, and a secret special gift. So there's really no reason not to go to adamandeve.com and check out stuff if you'd like a little extra fun for your solo play. Um, Just even the front page has a lot of options. One thing I will say is to make sure that the material that you're buying is healthy for your body. So Pyrex glass, um, stainless steel, medical grade silicone, elastomer, even a food grade vinyl is okay. Um, There are certain things that are great for your body, some that aren't so great, and we all have to take care of ourselves, you know, just like, hey, are you gluten-free? I'm not, but sometimes I feel like maybe I should because maybe it's, that's not a good example. It's not a good example. I'm, I'm confused about these things, but I know about sex toys. Hey, Ah, you deserve to feel good. AdamandEve.com has lots of things to help you feel good. So go there, type in SexNerd at checkout, and you'll get 50% off almost anything in that store. You'll get free shipping, you'll get three free DVDs, and a super secret gift. Hey, happy masturbation month. Welcome to the SexNerd Sandra Podcast. Whoa, what are these kids doing in here? Hey, if you're under 18, go ask your mom. Now that we're alone, let's start the show. Hi, friends. How's it going? Thanks for listening. Welcome. This week's episode, Sex and Comics, I... I, I knew that it was ambitious to cover these topics because it's, it's outside my realm. I'm curious about comics. I'm liking it. Um, I wanted to talk about these, these amazing comics I just found out about, and it just turned into this big conversation around the situation. The situation. So bear with me. There will be three segments to this episode. One is with my friend Jason. Uh, we get into some big ideas around sex and comics, some big stuff. And so that's the first half of the, um, the episode. And then I talked to two fantastic creators on comics, Dean Tripp and Matt Fraction. Um, I, I feel so lucky to have gotten some time with these guys um, and just fortunate to be in an amazing time in my life where I'm exploring all sorts of new media comics. And I, I just played Portal for the first time. For the first time. Ugh. It's really good. It was with my friend. It was good. We had a good time. Okay. Um, let's see. What else? Oh, a little a little mini announcement. I'm interested in starting to um, ha- host Google Hangouts live that people can come and ask me questions for. I guess it's an AMA and ask me anything. Um, so I'm going to start doing those. And I'm, if I do them, it might be a little like, surprise, I'm going to do one right now and then post a link to it on Twitter. So Twitter is where I'm going to post that stuff because Facebook is starting to block people's ability to see when I post things, which I'm not enjoying. I don't think anyone's really enjoying that. Um, so Twitter is where I'll be posting those links. So follow me there if you're on it. Um, if not, you know, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try a couple, 
see see what happens. Um, thank you so much for listening. I like you. Um, I like your face. <laughs> I like your smiles. I like your high fives. Uh, I like meeting you. Uh, I'm so glad that I get to explore sex with you every week on this podcast. So good. Uh, go team fun. Enjoy. Hey, sex nerds. Sandra here. Hello. How are you? Looking good. Very nice. Uh, I'm here with my friend Jason Porath. Hi, Jason. Hi there. You guys are looking fabulous. New haircut. New haircut. You guys. Is, I'm not flirting. I'm just saying. I'm just admiring your whatever. I'm flirting. Oh, oh dear. Um, Jason, we've known each other a while, and you have told me about comics in the past. It's true. And I am not the... I'm just going to put right. the microphone here. This sure. Is, yeah, Let's do it. Let's get cozy. I'm, I, need, I need to buy a microphone because <laughs> it's starting to get ridiculous how much I inappropriately have to get close to guests. It's never inappropriate. <laughs> Uh, uh. Um, so yes as a friend who likes comics there's a lot of comics on your bookshelf Mm -hmm. I have always felt a little inadequate because (gasps) no never (laughs) I don't know how to I haven't known up to this point how to go about getting into comics because for me I always felt overwhelmed like Mm. I'd open one up in the middle and kind of read a few things and I loved Sunday morning comics I uh in the in the newspaper, you know right. that. Yeah, I was all about that. Oh, great stuff in there. Oh yeah, not not all of it, but there, there's Calvin and Hobbes. You can't go wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on the on the fence about Marmaduke, you know, but I'd still e- read it. Yeah, me, me too. I had to get on the. I, I had to get my fix every right. Sunday. So, so going to cons in the recent uh, past twelve months has has inspired me to understand what the comic industry is about mm. and made more sense, like. I never understood what it meant, like, oh, this issue and that issue and, like, what all the issues meant. And I've started to learn about, like, story arcs through several issues and you do, like, six and then 12 and and you get a hard cover at some point. You wait for the trade and, yeah. Yeah, like, and so now, because it's so different than three-act movie storytelling or, like, TV show storytelling, Mm -hmm. it's a little different... It makes more sense. So now I can read comics and not feel the chaos looming in on me. Well, welcome to the fold. <laughs> Yay! We've converted you. Thank you. I feel a little late to the party. Um, it's and never I, too late. It's oh, it's never too late, but it's... I guess because I'm like, I, could, I can't wave my like comics nerd flag from like way back. Somehow mm-hmm. I'm less than, but hey, yeah. I'm getting into it. No, it's it's... You're you're welcome anytime. And honestly, the reason I have, like you've noticed, that my bookshelves tons of comics. I have them arranged in such a way that at eye level are the ones that I really want to loan out because I'm a nerd. <laughs> Sneaky uh, devil. I know, right? So any of those you want to borrow, they're there for your amusement. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It's it's intimidating. There's so much. It's It's... Anyway, so I sat down at a few recent cons with Matt Fraction. Oh, I love him. He's the best. Yeah, I um, yeah, I was pretty excited. I, and I basically stole him away from adoring fans for five minutes to just hide behind a giant banner <laughs> behind his um, signing table, uh-huh. just to like get some, just to just 
break it down with him around his. Um, he and Chip Zdarsky, the artist, um, mm-hmm. wrote a book called, or I guess it's not a book. Well, it, it's, it's a series. A series. Yes. Is that what you call it? Okay. Uh, it's called Sex Criminals, and I have the hardcover volume one. Called oh, you lucky girl. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, it's a nice tactile experience, nice and smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then also I sat down with Dean Tripp, who is a artist, cartoonist, writer, who wrote an autobiographical comic called Something Terrible. Yes. I've read that. Yeah. yeah. And I just had you read it again. Yeah. Yeah, and you 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 gave me like I guess I'd I'd had an abridged version or or like not the final or whatever. So yeah, it, it was good to see the the final thing. Oh, that's right, because uh, the oh on his website he has an abridged version. Ah, that's probably what I I came across because yeah. I was like, oh, this is a lot longer and more in depth. Yeah, and um, I actually yeah, it's a buck. It's just a buck to download, oh. and I bought it last night um, because he'd given it to me to read, and then I was like, well, I want you to read it, and so I'm glad that I got the full one. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. Um, so let's get into it. I got to read something terrible. I mean, it was one sitting. It takes like five minutes, but there's this emotional journey I went on. It's the story of basically this man's experience with uh, sexual abuse as a child and his fear of what that might make him become in his adulthood and in his journey with his relationship with comic books and Batman. And it's such a quick read. He actually gave it to me to read during a Comic-Con after party where I just sat in the corner away from everyone so I could read it so then we could converse about the comic. Um, That's heavy for like, hey, welcome to my party. Come (laughs) read my comic about childhood sexual abuse. Yeah, I was like going whiskey deep and like, okay, whoa, whoa. And like holding back back tears and then like feeling good and then wanting to go over and hug him. Um, But I was so glad to and then sit down and talk with him about it. Actually, at the next con, we ran we ran into each other at Seattle. It's like finally I can interview you. Okay, because that would make I, I'm still trying to picture this. Is like, oh, you're having good times at a party, and now you're feeling sad. And now, what do you say to the guy right after that? You're like, I'm so sorry. Can I give you a hug? Well, we were talking more about Batman mm. and his and really the idea of that Batman Bruce Wayne experienced a major trauma seeing his parents get killed, mm-hmm. and I mean, I kind of I. Slightly, I have to say it's for all of the good that Batman brings to that world. It's mm-hmm. also like, that that kid just needs some therapy, a lot of therapy. He needs a lot of therapy, <laughs> and this has been brought up multiple times in the comic too. Oh, okay. uh, I think Grant Morrison did it. Uh, it was really spectacular. He there was a uh, a lady he was romancing, uh, Jezebel Jet, I think was her name, uh, and he does the whole like reveal of like blindfolder brings her down in the bat cave is like i'm batman and her reaction as opposed to like every other time the scene is kind of played out like in movies and other media her reaction was like you need help <laughs> like like you spent all this money on this you could have helped so many people <laughs> uh, which i thought was so great i thought it was so refreshing but yeah he he needs a hug he needs all the hugs okay yeah okay all right yes and so Dean and I were talking about that uh, with something terrible is that, you know, like a real life hero, he is approached at all the cons and people, I mean, there is one specific panel that I talk about with him later. That's just glorious. People buy posters of it. And, but 
a bunch of people will approach him at cons just crying because it's touched them so deeply and because um, it, it's made a difference and, and helped heal them. And I just didn't realize how deep comics go. Like I've been oh, reading yeah. Saga. Um, Saga's... Saga's the jam. Yeah, uh, it's it's my jam right now. Yeah. Have you read Why the Last Man? <laughs> I've read a little bit of Why okay. the Last Man. I haven't revisited. I think a lot of the angry women kind of turned me off. There's just so much anger. There is, especially in the, the early, well, honestly, running throughout it. But I think the early parts has more anger than the rest of it. So give it a little bit. It's, it's a fabulous series. Definitely. In terms of um, feeling, because I do struggle with, I mean, I've always felt pretty strong and... and confident as a person mm-hmm. but but I am coming to understand that I have a lot of just pre-verbal feelings around what my limitations are as a woman mm-hmm. that I am I'm constantly fighting to to make peace with and overcome and I think a lot of stuff like uh, just just Tina Fey existing and doing what she does helps me to feel you know um Hannah Harto or mm-hmm. Um, who, or Jenna Marbles, like people on YouTube who are really strong personalities and, and bold, like just in all sorts of different aspects that are really helping me as a woman become more of a person mm-hmm. and not just limiting myself to sort of the second citizen thing. Anyway, but beyond that, the sexuality component to something terrible and sex criminals, it just, I didn't realize how... All comics tend to go to this really dark, creepy pl- or it can like these just these really like I've been I've been helping my the, this person I'm dating organize comics and we, <laughs> we well because that also gives me an excuse to look through all these comics and I'm just like what the fuck oh yeah yeah there's a lot of problematic stuff especially in the mainstream comics my god okay yes problematic yeah there's definitely a lot of things that are not helpful no. Um, but beyond that, the fact that they go to these dark places mm-hmm. and the places that exist in me that I don't usually tap into, but then you have something, someone like Dean Tripp coming along and going to a dark place and actually bringing light Yeah, um, that I, I just didn't know that it makes me happy that someone is doing something and people are doing great things in this medium. This makes me really excited. Yeah. There's a lot of great stuff out there and I'm really glad because, uh, all right. Quick comics history lesson. Uh, so comics has sort of went through this dark and gritty phase. It was sort of marked by uh, Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight Returns, sort of starting it off in the 80s. Um, okay. And it got really grim and gritty, and then it got to the 90s silliness with lots of pouches. But um, <laughs> it, seriously, like all the costumes had tons of pouches. It's it's the era of pouches. Um, hey, I'm really into pockets, so yeah. I'm okay with that. But okay, yeah, yeah. So it got they got really dark, and uh, it was just sort of a a reaction to the silliness of like '60s Adam West Batman and that sort of stuff, where it was just like bright colors and it's for kids, and they're, they're like, no, fuck you, it's not for kids. It sort of entered in adolescence, and so a lot of the stories, especially uh, the their attitude towards sexual relationships during that time bad bad stuff um abusive and taking advantage of people and or and yeah and, trauma and a lot of implied rape um sometimes outright rape um one of the most uh famous batman stories uh the killing joke uh which has been an inspiration for uh well 
Is uh, the, women in refrigerators or something? Yes. Women in refrigerators came later, but it definitely falls into that whole thing. Uh, basically, the Joker ambushes uh, Commissioner Gordon's daughter and shoots her and paralyzes her. And that actually stayed throughout the comics afterwards. Um, and then there's this sequence where he takes lots of pictures of her afterwards and she's naked and it's implied stuff happens, but it's it's squicky. It's very... And a lot of people have issues with it. I, I'm one of them because of that. Um, but it's, it's salacious. Um, it's yes. I mean, it's it's intentionally salacious, and it's it's basically delivered in such a way to try and drive Commissioner Gordon insane. Uh, so it it sort of uses her like she doesn't do anything else, and she's just a victim in this this story. And that was not an isolated sort of storytelling gimmick. And through the 90s, you have the women in refrigerators. It started off with uh, Green Lantern. Um, And yeah, there was a lot of really problematic stuff. But we've come around and there's a lot of really good stuff out now. It sounds like what you're saying is the idea that they're creating characters to for the sole purpose of creating feelings in main male characters like they're just destroying yeah. and terrorizing and damaging and and killing and all these awful things to made up characters that are female right that's 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 it unfortunately sort of where we are with this is that even though it is getting better it's still kind of a a, a landmark when you have a really interesting well-written female character so like uh the alias series is this woman named jessica jones uh is written by brian michael michael bendis uh amazing series with this i think he invented her if not she was sort of like floating around as sort of a bc list hero uh b- beforehand and she's now so well-liked and and so well-regarded in the Marvel Universe in general that she's one of uh, four people getting their own Netflix series. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, so big deal. Um, and you'll, you'll get occasional ones that are, are also really like uh, the, the newest uh, Miss Marvel, uh, I think, has is, is got an amazing portrayal of uh, it's a, a brand new female hero who's like 19 or 20 she's she's young um and she's uh muslim uh and she's oh i'd heard of this i've read a little bit of it my brother loaned me the first issue it's great it's really good and i'm it i'm amazed how well written it is i couldn't possibly write it as as true to life as it feels i mean i'm not um, like I'm not Muslim and I don't really, I'm not super familiar with the customs, but, but she's a person. She's a person. She's a really well-rounded, uh, person. And so you're, you're getting more of these, but it's still like remarkable, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny that something that eventually I think will be regular. is just like, wow, look at that person being a woman that's crazy um but i I didn't really even it's so funny i didn't even really mean to make this about equality or (laughs) i didn't mean to make this about equality um but i realized that it is an important thing that and i do have a lot of feelings about it um but just sex i i realize that i have a huge blind spot in comics but so I have a, this copy in front of us of Sex Criminals, the hard copy of the first five issues. So good. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm not familiar with Matt Fraction other than having met him and chatted with him and having read um, 
a bunch of issues, I think, before I interviewed him mm. and really enjoyed it. So, and I realized that he's done a lot of fantastic things before that. Yes. Um, but I don't even, okay, so setting it up so that when I talk to Fraction, you get an idea. I Girl learns to masturbate. Mm-hmm. And some magical-looking lights fill up the page. And it took me a few times to figure out what was going on. But she can stop time with her orgasms. Yes. It's basically every time she orgasms, time stops. And I think it's sort of her refractory period. Uh, like It's a little unclear to me as to how long it lasts, but it lasts for a while. Yeah, it does. And, I mean, you... I've learned. Like, I've, I've read she farther. She doesn't than have me. a refractory period. I don't know how, how long it lasts for her, but it lasts for a while. She's able to get up and walk around and do stuff. I mean, I think that there's more to find out. I haven't. I feel like I kind of get a sense of what it is for her. I mean, there is a guy that comes into play at some point. Um, the fact that this, duh, Jason, <laughs> yes, sex criminals has a. I hate to say strong female character because that's it sounds idiotic. She's a. Full-fledged human. She's a person. With her own interests yes. and desires. And she likes sex, but is not like like a, a sex pot. Like, it's like, in its place. She's not a femme fatale or anything. She's she's a person. Where sex is very fun for her. Yes. And like it That's... kind of can be for people, but it, yeah, it's not highlighted or it's just regular people stuff, including eating, including working, including sex. And also she can stop time. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it becomes a really interesting meditation on that because you – it's sort of like you – like what do the French uh, call it? Le petit mort? Uh, the little death when you have an orgasm? Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you end up it, – it's an exploration of what that means that I've not really seen in comics. It's, it's kind of in a – I mean – I say adult, but I, I don't mean it in sort of the the coded euphemism of just like oh my, there's boobies, uh, but more like a a grown up meditation on on what sex is for this character's life, and I find that super interesting. Yeah, I um I attended a panel that uh, Matt and Chip were on. I think no, before I interviewed him, and it was all about. Um, they were saying on the panel that they're not trying to make it sexy. I think I talked to a fraction about this, but I feel like telling you about it too, that okay. they, they do not want this to be sexy. They are not trying it to be. It's just that sex is regular. But then there's also a lot of juicy, juicy plot twists, etc. All right. Yeah, I've not read enough of it. I've read, you know, sitting here, I've read, I think, what, four issues, and I've, I've seen a smattering of stuff online, little preview pages here and there. But, yeah, I, that's interesting. What did you think of the, um, because there's lots of flashbacks and because they're telling each other the story of, of lots of things that happened in their childhood and their teen years around their first sexual experiences, which are hilarious. But the one with the girl describing and teaching her about sex in the bathroom stall. Oh my God. I can't even imagine how much fun it must have been to come up with that scene. Uh, do you want to describe it? Well, I mean, she approaches uh, one of the popular girls that she thinks has already been having sex to, and because she wants to know why all this is happening. You know, what is an orgasm? Why does time stop when you have an orgasm? And well, I mean, you know, 
that, that she can't really help her with that last part. But in the bathroom stall, she's like, fine, I'll tell you. And then I heard you, because I'd forgotten about all the different things, but I heard you yell like, ha, a candle in the wind. Which one was a candle in the wind? Uh, a candle in the wind is when you have a, a guy's wang that you mostly close the window on, but so the, like, <laughs> the wang is, is hanging outside the window and the girl is like getting him off. Um, like it's nothing but like two or three pages of illustrated and kind of stick figure bathroom scrawl form of just the most ludicrous sex acts (laughs) with great, great names. Uh, the other one that I really liked was the user agreement, which is where you have, uh, 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 the guy bent over and a laptop on his back. So he's on all fours and he's got a laptop on his back while uh, to his side the girl is on a, a, a couch and she's using the laptop while jerking him off with her feet. <laughs> the user agreement so good. Um, someone had described to me that scene before I started reading it and it still didn't prepare me for how funny that was. Just, oh my God. Yeah. The, this is a funny, funny series in general, but that is definitely my favorite part so far. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just, it's just darn good. And, and there's and more and you haven't even gotten to this bar scene with some, some jukebox action. I can't even, I can't even. Jason, I can't. I can't. I'm angry. I'm angry. Uh, oh, God. Don't be angry. Oh, be happy. Everything's so, great. It's so good. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop fanning out. Okay. I'm going to put on my professional cap now. Bop. Um, you've been working on a little project that's not out in the world yet. And uh, speaking of comics, actually, huh, it's kind of related. Yeah. I mean, not sex necessarily. I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but can you tell me, uh, tell folks a little bit about that? Right. So um, I'll go back to how it started. Uh, up until recently, I worked at DreamWorks Animation, and uh, we'd have a lot of movie talk because that's kind of what we did. And so there was a lot of talk about Frozen. When Frozen came out, was, are, they, are they good role models? Are they good princesses, bad princesses? And I'm like, guys, if they're bad princesses, they're the Frozen girls, we can come up with way worse idea for Disney princesses. So it became sort of this okay, we're going to one-up each other. I'm like, what is the worst idea you can come up with for a Disney princess? Like, what is an established character, like, historical, fictional, mythical? Um, Which I ended up putting out on Facebook and got, like, 150 different responses. And I'm like, well, this has struck a chord. So what I started doing is illustrating these people in this sort of contemporary animation style, right? Right. under the sort of flag of rejected princesses. So what would an animated Lolita look like? What would Beloved look like? What would Anne Frank look like? That sort of thing. And like some some of them range from really horrible people, like Elizabeth Bathory, the most prolific female serial killer in history. Some of them are just super awesome, like Jean de Clisson, who's like this French pirate that no one knows about. And I've collected like, at this point, God, almost 200 women who – most of whom are just really obscure figures that people just don't know about. And I'm illustrating them and putting them up online and I'm, I'm trying to make it all like actually pretty good illustration um, and doing some write-ups and whatnot just so that it's it's sort of, hey, there's a great range as to what women can be and, and there's so many cool people that – 
are not the standard Mary Curie, Susan B. Anthony, Rosa Parks, etc. that people get trotted out every time as like, what are some strong female people? Is like, no, there's there's people going back to like second century and, and before on my list that people just never heard of that I'm pretty excited to illustrate. But um, projectedprincesses.com, right? Yes. Um, right now, if you go there, there's really not much up. Um, I plan on getting a, a good backlog of them before I really start putting them out into the world. Uh, but uh, it'll be out there soon. And uh, if you have any suggestions for awesome women that nobody knows about, please send them my way. I'm, I'm always uh, wanting to uh, hear more. It's just jason at jasonporath.com. So. All right. Can they tweet at you too? Or would you rather an email? Uh, emails, tweets, I'll, I'll take anything. At Jason Porath. It's, it's pretty easy to find me online. Well, fine. J-A-S-O-N-P-O-R-A-T-H. Well done. Well done. I did it. Yeah. I did it. We're Facebook friends. Visuals. <laughs> Yay. All right. Um, ah, so good. Well, I hope um, y'all's enjoy these interviews that are about to happen to your ear holes. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jason, for taking some time and chatting to me about all the things. <gasps> we didn't even talk about the thing. Oh, the thing. Um, really, really fast. You told me that I need to look into a, a, a comic that people love, and then there was a rape of a character, and then yes. now there people are upset, and now all the issues are going to be about coping with the rape and and the way it could go real problematic and socially unacceptable. Um, like, yeah. Dan- do, do you do you want me to do a quick? Overview of this, then? Yeah. Got to. We got to. This is sex and comics and women, and this is important. And and I just said goodbye and thank you, but then there's more. So this is our PS. Do it. All right, PS. I'll try and make this quick. Um, spoilers for Invincible, um, issue number 110. If you have not read this or, or beyond, just just... Turn it off now. Skip forward a couple minutes. Uh, I already said what it was. Oh, no. I spoiled it before you did the spoiler. Well, you didn't say. There's a lot of characters in Invincible. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but you're you're forewarned. Um, so in Invincible number 110, Invincible, for those who are unfamiliar, is um, kind of a Superman analog. He's like son of Superman sort of thing. And throughout the series, uh, the main difference between that and, and Superman is that uh, unlike Superman, who was the last of his race, uh, there are others of this sort of Kryptonian type race, uh, except they're bloodthirsty conquerors. And basically his dad was sent to Earth as a kid in order to prep it to be conquered. But his dad sort of fell in love and had him. And now he's a superhero. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, they went through this whole fight with all the Kryptonians. Uh, this has been, like I said, it's issue 110. So this has been going on for a while. And all they they've narrowed down all of the Kryptonians in the world to there's in the universe. There's maybe six now, I think, and they're trying to sort of breed and, and up their numbers in, in secret. And one of them's a woman, and she's been around for for God like fifty issues or something. Um, in issue number one ten, this underlying thing of like she kind of would would flirt with him here and there uh, boils to a head when she flies out he's sort of had a, a shitty day and it's about to get worse uh and she forcibly rapes him because she is stronger than he is he, she's older and um it's disturbing it's the way it's portrayed is it's it's definitely not consensual but it's also like sort of the way that that culture is set up um and i think 
I've talked with a couple different people about it, and the way it's 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 initially set up was like, oh, that's shocking, that's crazy. This is the same guy who did Walking Dead, so he's he's big on like the big shocking whatevers, um, and it's starting to play out of like, okay, you did this big crazy act where the main character, who is a man, got raped by a woman. And the following issues are basically going to be catch up and and fall out from that. So nobody, it's sort of in a wait and see position, but it's really interesting because it's a very prominent comic. And just like a kind of a Rorschach test, because um, I haven't really looked into it, but you've told me that I need to. I mean, the I, lots of people don't believe that a, a man can be forcibly inserted into somebody. You know. Um, that a man can be, you know, mm-hmm. basically raped or taken advantage of like that by by a female. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that erection equals consent, you know, and which is, you know, not true. No, not true. Not so much. Um, yeah, I was just reading about. Yeah. Um, yeah the 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 reaction to it's been really interesting. Like. Overall, at least most of the stuff I've read has been really supportive and, and like, okay, you know, a lot of people are like sort of wait and see about where it goes. But then there's there's sort of predictable things on, on online forums, even ones that I, I go to that I consider to be very, um, I don't know, progressive. Uh, you'll have people that are just like, well, I get what he was trying to do. I just wish that he hadn't made the the female character so attractive because I don't think that most readers are going to consider that rape. And everybody else like jumped on that one comment and was like, well, that's the whole point. I mean, they can be as attractive as they want, but it's still non-consensual. And like, it's, it's, it's already stirring up a lot of really interesting debate. Um, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. I think it's going to be a very, very tricky line that he walks. I don't, I can't think of anything else that has had quite the same, like, so, so prominent. Uh, one, one of the old Nightwing was one of, was a, one of the old Robins got, he was raped, although it was a little, uh, by a woman, it was it was a little uh, confusing as to exactly how because it, it, it was very sort of uh, nudge nudge wink wink like you can't really see exactly what's going on fade to black sort of stuff. But the, Invincible is very explicit about what happens. I just hope that it's respected as a violation and not kind of brushed off. And, you know, cause I feel like that happens so much and so many men are shamed in that experience. They don't even come out about that kind of thing. So it would be great if I just, I just hope just being told the story that I hope that, uh, there is respect for that experience as a violation. Yeah. I hope so too. He's a great writer. I've got faith. Um, but yeah, it's it's quasi mainstream comics, so it could go either way. It really could. All right, all right. Coming up next. Oh my goodness, do I put Matt Fraction's five minute interview first, and then Dean's, or do I do Dean's and then Fraction's? I don't know. I want to do. It's it's. Uh. You guys are just gonna have to wait thirty <laughs> seconds to find out. <laughs> I don't know because they're both so great and they're different comics. They're so good. Oh, I love this stuff. Hey. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Hey, Dean Tripp. Hello, Sandra. <laughs> oh, you said it with a soft A. Thanks. So many people say it with a hard A. I actually asked you about it when we met. Oh, plenty of people ask, and then they just still do it. It's fine, but 
It's nice when you say it right. Well, it's like when you meet someone whose name is Michael. Some people call them Mike. Mm-hmm. I, I, just tell, I use people's names what they tell me. Thank you. You're very welcome. Any past guests listening to this? Or, no, it's not true. <laughs> um, so... We are at C2E2, which is like a comic convention in Chicago. Are you having a good time? I'm having a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good times. I just came from a panel, uh, watching the panel. Mm-hmm. It was a good panel. Um, that was vague. I have dragged you up to my room <laughs> to talk about your comic and this sort of, because we met a little bit ago in, in Seattle, but I am blown away by your stories of how people reacted to a comic you published recently. What do you do in the world? Uh, so yeah, I draw comics, uh, for the last 10 years, I've been working professionally in comics, uh, usually doing kind of happy superhero stuff. Cause that was the stuff that I liked growing up. And the newest book I did was called something terrible. Uh, as a, it's about my life growing up with Batman and being a victim of a pretty significant childhood trauma. I was a victim of childhood sexual abuse and Batman's being a trauma survivor, is a character that I just locked onto, and then that's now become the thing I'm known for in a very short period of time. Oh, how long ago did you did you publish it? I put it out in late September, early October. Oh, okay, and so right now we're recording at the end of April. So nah, no, like six months, if, mm-hmm. if that. Um, okay, yeah, I can do math. Six months or so. Um, so short period of time. You've been telling me that because I read it and. It's lovely, beautiful, and it's an easy... Well, I realize comics are an easy read generally, but it's also like it flows nicely. And all the heart feelings, but it's also good and it's drawn well. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. Where, where can people download it? Uh, it's it. Uh, if you go to deantrip.com, there's a link to it. Uh, it's called Something Terrible, and there's a link right on the left side of the screen. D-E-A-N-T-R-I-P-P-E.com. That's correct. Uh, I did it. I can spell it too. Um, huh. Okay, so you put out this comic. Did you... Was it easy to write this comic? This is probably the most difficult writing challenge I've had. Uh, having dealt with... Like, I've always been someone who's a huge open book. Like, I don't have any secrets except this one giant thing that was eating up all my secret space. And uh, like in college, we used to get autobio comic assignments Mm -hmm. and I would have nothing, couldn't think of anything to do because this is the thing I wanted to tell, but it didn't have kind of an ending other than like, please feel bad for me. I'm dealing with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, it wasn't until uh, I'd kind of gotten to the end of the journey of finding out that, because what I lived with was the idea that you see it in popular crime shows all the time is that victims become offenders. Mm -hmm. And it was a very prevalent thought in the 90s, very popular, and it's not true at all. Uh, actually, most victims don't become offenders, which is pretty apparent from the stats. Like, it's one in three girls, one in five boys before the age of 18. That experience, that? Yeah, of some sort of unwanted sexual uh, interaction. And um, uh, But the perpetuated notion that victims become offenders made me create a suicide pact with myself that if I ever had thoughts about kids, I would kill myself rather than... It's this horrible notion that's perpetuated in the media that it makes people who are victims of this feel like they're secret werewolves or something. Yeah, you've been bitten suddenly. Right. You're going to turn your ticking time bomb. You'll become the thing that you hate the most. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had to protect kids even from myself if there was something inside me. Um, 
but uh, it turns out that most victims don't become offenders, and most offenders weren't even victims. And they have every reason to lie about it, because that's the only idea that people have about this. I see. Kind of like people who assume that strippers uh, were abused as kids. Kind of like, yeah, yes, exactly like girls that. abused become strippers. It's the thing. I mean, which is like not true. <laughs> yes, it's not true. And it's another one of those examples of just minimizing everyone. I think the reason why uh, that the notion with uh, sexual abuse victims is because it's such a horrible crime that no one can wrap their heads around. And so people seek an explanation to it, even a really simplistic one. Uh, whereas the real answer is that there are some people who are just terrible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how did you find out about this new news? Well, it's funny cause I was a big uh, fan of this writer, Grant Morrison. He's like my favorite comic book writer and uh, also a super cool dude. Uh, but he had written a story about the multiverse and how like physicists think that we live in a multiverse, right? And if that's, if the multiverse is infinite, then there is a Batman. If every idea you can think of is real somewhere, for real. Yeah, I'm not familiar with what the multiverse is. The idea multiple we, dimensions? Yeah, we live in multiple – yeah, multiple dimensions. Uh, it's, it's just a theory, but it, physicists really do think that because they do these particle experiments where they see the effects of it in other universes uh, in our universe. But anyway, if it is infinite, then Batman's real somewhere. And I've read enough Batman comics to know Batman can cross universes in certain stories. Mm-hmm. So what – so then I thought, like, there's a universe where, like, I'm Batman, and there's a universe where I'm Superman, and, like, I've got to be as cool as those guys, we might have to team up. <laughs> and then I thought, like, what if there's a me out there whose power is that he can hear us? Like, if, we, if I call him, he'd bring us all to help. And then I realized I'm a comic book writer. I'm one of the people that decides what these worlds do. I could call them. And what would happen if I drew a comic where Batman showed up and saved me? And I was terrified to do that because I'm so into this idea, like, especially at the time, uh, that I was afraid I'd unravel history, like my personal history. What? Yeah. I didn't draw the comic for a year, like the, just in, even in my sketchbook, because I was afraid of like, I'm too, I don't mess with time travel. I have a five-year-old son and he's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And so the idea of upsetting that in any small way, no, 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 thank you. So you have a deep belief in time travel and, and like the metaphysics around... I don't now. I don't have... Because uh, I ended up drawing the comic and I didn't unravel my personal history. <laughs> thank goodness. Uh, but I, I, I get really sucked into those ideas. Like I grew up with Back to the Future and all that stuff. And um, big Doctor Who fan. But... Yeah, both on my shirt right now. Right on. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so uh, eventually I did draw a little sketch of Batman showing up in the bedroom where I was attacked. And... Saving me from that and taking me into Doctor Who's TARDIS. Like I had him use because Doctor Who and Superman are also big characters for me. I loved that um, that panel. Is that what you call it? A panel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I won't I won't spoil it for people who read your comic. Oh, feel free. But it's it's called "You'll Be Safe Here" and it's what Batman says to me who rescues me. But I drew that as a little thumbnail sketch, like a year or two before I did the actual comic that people have read, and I felt so good. Like I like cried drawing the thing. And it was just like seeing Batman with his arm around me helped. And then that night, because I'd been thinking about all this, I was reading the Wikipedia entry for childhood sexual abuse. And I got down to causal factors. And it was like, it was previously believed to be a strong risk factor if you were a victim to become an offender, but it's not true at all. Like most victims don't become offenders. Most offenders weren't even victims. And then I've seen more studies since I put out the comic that I did. And it was just like they did a huge study in Australia talking about it. But uh, and it was like I could finally put down the gun I'd had to my head in case 
any thoughts ever arose, which it never did, which is why I'm still alive. Oh, hmm. yeah. I'm glad you're still alive. Yeah, it's it's good to be here. And now, having come through the other side of it, uh, uh, my friend Ben had said you should do this as a comic, and uh, I was like, "You mean the thing I went to school for and do professionally? That doesn't make sense." And uh, I I spent a year on it. It was the hardest thing I've ever worked. It's a very short comic. It's only fourteen pages long without the covers and. Uh, I re-thumbnailed it. I wrote a full script and then threw out almost all of the captions. I had to choose because, you know, I'm 33 and uh, I've had more Batman experiences than I was able to fit in the book because I needed it to be as good as I could make it. This is my give a shit factor was so high for ah, this yeah. story. And, uh, and it worked. Mm-hmm. It's now like the idea was to make a thing that was kind of a shortcut for other people, both who don't have experience this and need to know that like the stigmas they've heard are not true mm-hmm. and have a little, have a, a way of empathizing with those of us who have. And uh, more mainly it was to let people who've been through this know that they're not secret monsters or potential monsters. And that's the majority of people who come up to me at cons now is uh, very sweet uh, people who were hurt and uh, are on the verge of tears and are really excited to get a hug from someone who's been through the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to I I don't mean to make fun of it at all. Please do. But there is a certain amount of like when we have talked about this in your con experiences, it's very much like, oh, these people are crying. Yeah, <laughs> it, like, is. it is and it's uh it's it I, you kind of have to laugh about it because it is heavy, you know, like uh today on the way over here to the con. I've been using Uber to get to and from my friend's place who I'm staying with. And uh the driver was giving me the normal, like, yeah, I used to read comics when I was a kid kind of thing. And I grew out of that. Mm-hmm. And then we started talking about politics. He's from the Middle East. And, like, so I'm super liberal and we're getting along great. And then uh, I was like, yeah, so I'm going to this con. As soon as, like, we were about a, two miles away. And I was telling him, I just did this book uh, about my life with Batman and why I'm into all this stuff. And it's about how I was a victim of childhood sexual abuse. And uh, Batman's like a trauma survivor. And that's, why I connected with him so strongly at a young age. And then he opened up to me like immediately. He was like, it happened to me when I was eight and lasted until I was 12. And, and so like we get here and like, I've sent him the comic for free on oh. you know his phone and we get out and I give him a hug and it's everywhere. It's this, yeah. I have this job now that's being the Batman thing I could be for my own experience. And I'm really good at it. Mm-hmm. And I wish no one needed to do this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really prevalent. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, you know, it's, so it's depressing. Mm-hmm. But also the, the thing that feels good about it is doing something to change ideas about it and letting people know that they've built them. That's the thing I most say to people who write me is, good job. You built yourself into someone who is the opposite of what hurt you, that you're helping others. All these people who have such a serious pack, like so many people write me that had a similar pact with themselves to protect children, even from themselves. Um, that shows such character that, uh, just the fact that you thought that and were willing to do that is proof that you're a good guy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we forget about, I mean, just in, Sex in general, I run up against this idea like, oh, I can't try that because if I try that, I'll never be the same again. It'll change me somehow. I've right. broken myself. Um, no, 
that's not it's we have our own agency we can create who we are and yeah it's it's just it's an odd thing to see and so i can i can imagine it's intense when when the stakes are that high yeah and i i think you're right that just culturally everyone's uh i think most i don't know if it's most but a lot of people grow up in environments where sex is such a uh strong moral issue that and then there's so many horrible like judgmental notions especially versus girls and guys and then uh when you're a victim of sex as a uh, thing that harmed you then you have to find a way to have a, a really healthy sex life later and that was a long journey for me and a lot of people i've talked to one of the things i really like at these shows uh is when couples come up to me and uh I met a couple yesterday who they were both victims and they didn't know until they'd have been dating and uh, they really have each other's backs. But um, it was really sweet. And But one of the things I also like is when it's one of them and the other one is so supportive and uh, totally is like my you know, wife or my husband read this book and you know, they cried and I cried. I could understand how they felt more and I've, it's – I can't believe that the worst thing that ever happened to me has become the best thing I'll ever do. Do you know? Yeah, it's powerful. Um, it's really powerful. I don't have that many words to describe it except, yeah, it's – and I can see in your eyes. I mean, you guys totally can't see his eyes right now, but I totally can. I'll tell you. Um, but there's just this like immense like kind of con- continual realization of, oh, my God. Like, I'm doing this. I've done it. Like, I am Batman, you know? <laughs> it really is. It's I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's a satisfying thing. And it's I always say this about – because the reason why this whole thing happened is because I was talking to Ben and uh, we were talking about the portrayals of Batman you see where he's like deranged and crazy. This rich guy who beats up on poor criminals. Like you – if you have not – that the only people who say that have not read any Batman comics or seen any Batman movies because it's usually he's preventing people who would hurt others – from hurting them. That's his whole deal. Do you think Batman would have benefited from some therapy early on? Um, yeah. After that trauma? He's definitely more like me in that he didn't have therapy. Like I didn't, I had a really brief stint with a therapist at like uh, six or seven. And I guess I was six. And I, I guess I conned them into thinking I was fine really quickly. I remember it pretty vividly and, and I did not like being in there. I did not like talking about this. And I was like, no, it's fine. I'm good. And they bought that, mm-hmm. which you should just – if you're uh, – and I've talked to psychologists. I've become friends with several psychologists since the book came out who are using it with their patients. And uh, they were like, no, you just take it as given that they're not okay right now. Um, but I had a pretty bad experience. And Batman also didn't and, like me, had to spend decades building himself, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But he could have had some shortcuts. But that's the thing. Even using Batman as an example, like he adopts Dick Grayson because he's there at the circus and Dick Grayson loses his parents. And, uh, Is that Robin? That's Robin. Okay. He's the first Robin. Mm-hmm. And he's – that's the whole thing Batman's there to prevent is anyone going through what he went through, is cr- the effects of crime and, and devastating uh, families. By healing others, you're also healing yourself. Does that resonate? Was that is that rude for me to say that? I just no, it was like totally it true. felt right. It's totally true. And but Batman adopts uh, Dick Grayson, so Dick Grayson is Nightwing now. He grew up and he's a he actually was Batman for a little while when Bruce was presumed dead. He was just time traveling. It's fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's comics and closure. Uh, but uh, he's kind of better than Batman because he had the benefit of a Batman. And mm-hmm. this book is kind of being 
that for others like a it's like a shortcut to it like bruce didn't grow up with batman as a mentor dick grayson did yeah the more we can we the big we can create positive and healing art or in, in like all aspects of of life like yeah. the better like i was t- talking to a therapist about your book and she was like thank god like good thank you for telling me so that i have because it's not always going to be talk therapy sometimes it's something it's an element in a tv show sometimes it's in a song sometimes it's in a comic and so the more these things can be out there it's great yeah and i think comics is a particularly good one i know i'm biased i have a degree in this <laughs> but uh comics are a very personal thing like I've, I've done talks at colleges about the book and one of the things i do is i i show it up on the screen but i go through it silently because comics are personal like i draw the page alone mm-hmm. and you read it alone mm-hmm. and there's no words and and one of the things about something terrible is i had written all these captions for it but i, I took them all out because the pictures the thoughts you're going to have in your head going through the pictures uh are going to be more personalized for you than anything i could write that's true i i hold a lot of them in my mind, like I can, I can see a lot of panels. Like, oh yeah, that one, and like, oh that one. Um, and really, you should definitely download it. There's the one panel of inside the TARDIS that's just like, ha, ugh, ugh sounds, ugh, hashtag feelings. That's the longest I've ever spent on a drawing because it had to be everything that ever mattered to me. It was, oh no! You know, like all my favorite characters that you know had my back as a kid, mm-hmm. and the feeling I had doing it was not that. I was drawing them because each of them has like a different kind of expression. Like some of them are happy to be there. Some of them feel the weight of what they're doing and coming to save a kid who's going through this. Um, But I didn't feel like I brought them there. I felt like they came. Like, of course they came. These are the guys who would never let this happen to a kid. Yeah, It's amazing. It's I've heard um, and there have been articles recently that have been coming out about retelling your story or changing your story and like changing your narrative and how that can help just heal the past and um and i've experimented with that in my own life and there is like just as a tool it just mm-hmm. there's something about that i don't know it's um it's exactly what i did and my friend uh patrick o'connor is a psychologist that was featured in the legends of the night batman movie that i had some panels of something terrible in we did a panel last night at the show and he was saying that uh that's a really common thing is using uh art to rebuild through their story and i didn't do this for me but it absolutely has helped me because, again, like being someone who's a very open book kind of person and having this one giant secret eating up all this space inside me, now it's like I'm bulletproof or intangible like a ninja. You can't catch me. <laughs> like, I, what are you going to throw at me? You know everything about me. Yeah. I'm bulletproof. Well, you inspire me to be more transparent and vulnerable, definitely. Um we are out of time. I'm about to get kicked out of my uh, hotel room. That's that's how out of time we are. Oh, we get to, that means I get to check in my luggage and go back downstairs. Yay, turn the con. Um, DeanTrip.com, D-E-A-N-T-R-I-P-P-E.com. Any other uh, places you'd like to send people? Um, I also do a podcast called The Last Cast and uh, another one called The Batcast, which is three words. It turns out there's another Batcast that isn't. But uh, if you'd like to hear me talk about Batman on a weekly basis, check out The Batcast. Excellent. For in-depth Batman coverage. Right. (laughs) All right. Thanks a lot, Dean. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Go Team Fun. Yes. (laughs) Satan, Satan. Good levels. Hail Satan. All right. Good levels. Levels, tight levels, tight levels. Matt Fraction. Hello. 
Is that your real name? No, my last name is uh, Fritchman. But uh, one night a, a telemarketer called and asked to speak to Matt Fraction, and I thought that sounded like a James Bond villain. And as I was going into comics, it felt like an appropriate, like, ah, oh, I need an alter ego, of course. So it became a, 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 like my web handle, and I got all my early work off of like my internet presence, which is a weird thing to say, but yeah. I thought it was the only marketing hook I had. So no, now, now, I'm, now I'm stuck with it. No, it's good. You sound like a math criminal. Yeah, it does, right? It sounds like a James Bond guy who would like get killed in like the first ten minutes. No, Mr. Bones. I expect... Oh, and he's dead. Oh, no. So we just met, and we I really appreciate you taking time. We are on the uh, Comic-Con floor right now. Literally hiding behind Joe Canonez' banner <laughs> so we could get a little bit of, of, of alone time and silence. Um, so I'm new to the comic world. Welcome. Okay, thank you. And uh, a friend recently turned me on to your comic, and I was like, "Well, clearly this is the one I should have been reading since I was a child." Um, That'd be amazing. I wish, like, I wish there was, I wish there was thirty, uh, twenty-nine years of sex criminals out there. That'd be amazing. Uh, the next generation, they're going to yeah, have yeah. that. Yeah, right, right. That'd be great. We um, should do that. Oh, we should do that. What a great idea. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, so you have a lot of people lined up. For you and Chip Zdarsky. Is it Zdarsky? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, An- another fake name. Really? Yep. Oh. Why would he do that to himself? Because uh, he's actually the uh, illustrator of record for a major metropolitan newspaper. And he has a, he wanted to, because his comics have always been weird, he wanted to keep his personal life and his professional life separate so oh, okay. people wouldn't find it. But now that line is completely gone. And half of the, 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 the National Post uh, writing staff was at our launch party at a sex club in Toronto and watching me get my nipple pierced and shit, so... Oh, snap! Yeah, yeah, so it, the secret's well out, but it, that was the... Again, the origin was, you know, it sounded good at the time. It's selling me on Toronto. I've never been, but it's... It's closed now. The shop is closed. The, the store, I guess, the... Yeah, I guess tax evasion. Even even Lithuanian sex fiends have to pay their taxes, apparently. Oh, uh, stupid rules. Um, okay, so you have this comic. I'm already, I've filled people in previous to this audio being on the podcast, right. so people know basic things. Right. So, whose idea was this? Like, because it's genius. Thank you. Um, I mean, I, I, there's an email, or uh, we think we're going to run the, the fifth issue just sold out again, so we have to come up with a new cover, and I think our new cover is going to be the, the email where I sent the chip. Uh, it was like basically, what if we do a story about a guy who, when he when he comes, he stops time? That was the start of it. Um, and, I, and I know there's lots of kind of sources floating around in my head that I kind of can see. Oh, like there's a Nicholson Baker book called The Fermata. I was just right? thinking about that book, um, um, which I always enjoyed. I think it's really funny, but it's always a little too sex predator for me. Like the guy's kind of a creep, and yeah, it's totally. really hard to. No matter how hot the writing gets, here I was like, oh right, and this is gross. Um, there's a there's a TV show called Small Wonder. But a girl was with she was like a half alien, and she had the uh, she could put her fingertips together and freeze the world. Wait, no, no, no. out of this world. Out of this world, not Small Wonder. Small was, Wonder was the robot. I right. was obsessed about that. I feel like no one remembers that show. It was I, so solid. I, I'm convinced that if I can, if my fingertips should ever find their way together without me consciously thinking of out of this world, uh, I would freeze time. Like it would work. I just have to trick. And I never do it, but I, 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 I seriously, from time to time, try to. It never doesn't work. Um. But yeah, I wanted to work with Chip. Mostly, the idea came from wanting to work with Chip. Uh, he was one of my favorite humans and one of the funniest humans. Um, I wanted to do a love story. I wanted to do a dirty comic. I wanted to do a funny comic. I, I love Billy Wilder, and I wanted to kind of do like a Billy Wilder. Like, have you ever seen like a Foreign Affair or The Apartment? 
I mean, Billy Wilder, uh, Something Like It Hot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's the only one I think I've seen like, him. Yeah, but he does the, the Apartment, which is about uh, the guy who loans his apartment out to his bosses so they can all bang their mistresses. That's right, that's right. Or uh, A Foreign Affair uh, is literally... Uh, uh, a guy uh, is uh, riding through uh, post-war Berlin with a cleaner mattress strapped to his back uh, uh, so he can have sex with Marlene Dietrich on a nicer mattress than her. It's this whole... It's super dirty. It's great. It's funny. It's sweet. And then Gene Arthur shows up and it's a romantic, you know, Billy Wilder movie. But he always did love stories and dirty stories really well and... Uh, I don't know. So I don't, it's all, all kinds of places, I guess. Oh, that's great. A that's a great. Fa- a lot of a lot of fathers in, in the mix. I was at your panel yesterday where someone asked about, um, you know, how did you make it not um, teenager-like? And you had said that it was, like, it drives the story. The sex is not salacious. And I appreciate that because when my work, I, the sex is already a turn-on in itself. Right, you don't right, have right. to right. work too hard. You don't have to sell it. It's sex. Yeah, yeah. right. It's You can do all the other fun stuff on top of it. Right, right. On right. top of it. Um it's so hard. You have to accept like the puns are going to be everywhere. Like it's so hard not to just one all weekend long. I'm yeah that yeah on top of it. Get a whole how'd you get a handle on it? You know where did it come from? All these like it's just all day long. I'm not saying like that's what she said or whatever. So I don't know. It's fine, and you can totally because it's kind of satisfying. Just let just give into it. Just let it go. Just like the G spot. Explode. Ooh. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, are you surprised? I mean, I'm. I don't because I'm not familiar with cons as much. So watching people line up for you guys and being so excited—is this a newer thing? Because you've obviously done lots of work previous, yeah. but this intense love for sex criminals. This is insane. Yeah. I don't. Um, do you know the band Uncle and DJ Shadow and James Lavelle? No, I, I'm a, still learning a, about music too. Oh, cool, cool. Well, welcome. <laughs> uh, they did, they did a, a song with Tom York from Radiohead called "Rabbit in Your Headlights." Mm-hmm. It's basically like an. OK Computer era Radiohead song, only Radiohead doesn't make the music. It has been in my head all weekend, and that I feel like a rabbit in headlights. Um, we walked up to the panel, and there's a huge line of people, and we we're like, I guess Wolverine's doing a panel next door or something. And it was for us. It was, I, I, we sold 400 copies of the hardcover. We thought we were going to last all summer long. They didn't last the con. So, Congratulations! Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, uh, no, uh, nothing prepared me for this. We didn't think we were going to last five issues, let alone... This. This is unreal. This is the dream, sort of, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, lightning in a bottle, right? You got it. So so last question, because I know there's still people lined up. I'm stealing you from people. I'm sorry if you're listening to this, and you're looking at me right now, maybe, if you're listening to this, standing behind the table, being mad. Um, So are you... What are you surprised about in terms of the fans? Because, like, I... You know what? uh, uh, The response from women. Comics uh, are besieged by a kind of... um, predatory privilege from sort of cis white males um, that are unwelcoming to new people let alone women uh, I think this is be- I think you see this in like the fake geek girl thing and just the way women are treated we have um, no harassment signs posted at this convention it's great it, it's great but it speaks to the how big the problem is um, so that something about the book has hit women readers so much uh, and that they're being so vocal in the letter column and they're, they're the, the, the women reading the book are so Effusive, gushing, if you will, in their praise, um, which is awesome. It's if it's, it's, it's a female-driven story, it, we were wor- super worried about it, super nervous about it. Um, more than anything, the, yeah, the, the number of people reading it is crazy. The number of women reading it and loving it is crazy. The the, the letter column isn't juked. We're not juking those stats. Those are that's a pretty accurate gender breakdown of our readers. 
So thanks. Thank you, ladies. Uh, you're welcome. We're people who like things. You are, and all comics <laughs> had to do is treat you as such, and look what happens. Look at what happened. Um, thank you so much for taking time. Um, if you ever need a sex ed person for thoughts and feelings and some context for stuff, I'm always happy because you guys rock. Deal. I, I think uh, we're going to have a conversation in the second you turn the mic off. Okay. All right. All right. Bye, Nani Mogi. See you later. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Thank <laughs> you.